This is The Extra Mile. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Extra Mile. I'm Justin Duncan. I'm always here with the G5. Hey, George, how are you? Hey, hello, deja vu. Deja vu. doing this new thing. I'm wearing the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. We have, we have a great continuity. Two weeks later. <laughs> great continuity. <laughs> uh, We're trying a new format here. We're, we've got a, a French press of coffee. Thank you, Justin, for uh, Justin Bonner. That sounded very uh, meta. Thank you, Justin. I meant Dr. Justin Bonner. Thank you for the French press. The matrix is collapsing. And, and George, thank you for the Ember mug. I'm enjoying it delightfully. Uh, and anything anyone wants to donate, we're more than welcome to take all donations. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We will take we will take bags of coffee if you have them. Yes. Yes. Just bring them. Um, We've enjoyed a, a, a bit of a, a breakfast, just as we would do um, when we didn't have microphones in front of our face. This is a pretty common occurrence among friends. And uh, we talk about the Bible and we drink coffee. And so uh, we, we invite you to also have your cup. Uh, enjoy. This one's for you. <laughs> I love coffee. Well, George, you had a great sermon on Sunday. And, um, Here you go. Finish that up. Oh, thanks. I might have taken too much. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I'm glad you thought it was good. I, w- I don't know. Um, yeah, I talked about the church, uh, basically, and that was encouraged to me by Nate. We we meet every Tuesday and talk about what we're going to preach on and everything like that. And he's like, well, this is the month of January. Maybe we should have a sermon or two on the church, and we were all doing our own things and preaching, and I was like, ah, it's coming to the end of January. Maybe I should you know, follow his advice and do one on the church, so I did. And... Um, uh, basically, I titled it, you know, a different church, or just chasing the question, what makes the church different? Because I have a hard time, or sometimes we have a hard time expressing what the church is to people in the world, and it just comes across as another club or, you know, charity organization, and that can be hard to differentiate if you will especially when people come in and you know they expect you to be a bank if you will um and it's just it's just not how it works if that makes sense (laughs) yeah it seems that the it's i think the world wants the church to be a physical thing yeah physical and there's a lot of physical things that it does that is extremely helpful but it's the spiritual behind it that makes it different than all the other physical things that it could be compared to in the world. If it doesn't have, and the three points that I made was that if, if Jesus isn't God, and if we're not serving like Jesus, those in need and our brothers and sisters in Christ, and if we're not connected by the Spirit, then there is no difference between the church and anything other, you know, institution created by man. Um, there has to be something different. And I started with a quote from uh, from this uh, this guy. He was a really neat guy, and he makes a lot of good points, and I follow his YouTube channel, and he's an atheist philosopher. And um, I really liked what he said about the church, ironically, that, you know, the church has done all these amazing things throughout time. They've done so much, and they've lasted longer. This is, he said, he said, it's nothing like like it on earth. It has lasted so long. That's what he said about the church. And he's right, because an average business will only last, you know, 10 
years or so at most, and it will have corruption and it will collapse in that. And so the church has somehow lasted this long. How is that even possible? And his being hang-up on the church was that people really do believe in God, that there's this unfortunate thing that's attached to the church and it's God. And yet he made the case for as to why it lasts so long. Well, if you compare, you know, the businesses only last 10 years of the church that's lasted longer than anything else on earth, what's the difference? Well, there seems to be one difference, and that difference is God. And that just hit me. I was like, well, the church is different. How is it different? Well, it's because God is attached to it. The house that was not built by hands. Right, right, right. No, and, and the church, the world thinks it's just this building, and uh, it's not. It's, you know, it's God's people called out and assembling together, and we forget that sometimes, and we can see that sometimes in a wrong way. Um, anyway. It's, um, I know that that's a challenge because um, the, the church has a very large outreach, and we just talk about Christianity rather than the yeah. church. Christianity has a very large outreach in the world. Oh, I got some stats for you. Keep talking. Good or bad. Um, and when I say good, it's the ones who wield Christ in the way that it should be wielded um, with love and with making peace with God between man, which was Christ's purpose. His purpose was to bring peace and uh, between God and man. Because man doesn't want to have anything to do with God, really, uh, if you look at the large portions of the world. And that the purpose of the church that Jesus built was to build a framework for his people to assemble and to love. And, uh, as Caleb pointed out in one of his sermons, which struck me, which is to do battle against the gates of hell. And the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Well, that's the thing. The church has lasted this long. I... And to Kale's point, because God allowed it not the gates of hell not to overcome right. the things, and that includes the you know the, the schemes of man and the falls of man and human beings that have been in the church that are flawed and corrupt itself. God doesn't allow those people and those things and those actions to overcome His purpose. And your stats that you were talking about. Well, this is also from Caleb. So shout out to to my boy Caleb. He sent me uh, this Twitter thing. It was very fascinating to me. Um, so it's this thing. So Twitter, this guy, he says, I don't think people fully grasp how much of Protestant Christianity is going to die off in the next three decades. Fascinating. 68% of, he says, Missouri Lutherans have seen their 50th, 55th birthday. It's 57% of Southern Baptists. No, there's no major denomination where a majority are under 45 years old. Um, that's fascinating to me. Uh, that's most of Christendom is over 45 years old. Um, hmm. which he's saying puts it in trouble since they're going to die off and there's not a larger majority, minor, yeah, younger crowd to become the majority. Um, but I, I don't know. It just, and he broke it down by like stats. So there's this, each denomination or church, however you want to say that is listed here. 
the major one, mm -hmm. and then the percentage of young to old. And so the one that he was talking about, let's just say the top one that's really struggling, um, the Methodists, 12% are 18 to 35 years old, right? 41% are 65 and older. That's a big, big problem, um, you know, they were saying. And then the Church of Christ is on here. <laughs> the Church of Christ, ironically, is is in a better position than most of the churches on this list. And there's about, I don't know, 20 or so churches on this list. Mm. Uh, the Church of Christ is 30%, has 30% of 18 to 35-year-olds with... 20 yeah 22 percent being 65 and older 21 percent being 55 to 64 11 percent being 45 to 54 and 16 percent being 36 to 44 uh, 44 years old if you'll send that to me i'll put it up on the video yeah 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 i will it's fascinating to me um so that was inspiring for your first point in your sermon no, I mean, not really. I just got this a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but right. I thought it would be helpful for the conversation or just interesting the, to note that a lot of people think the church is going to die off. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the point I was trying to make. I think every generation thinks that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, like I was telling Caleb, and Caleb was like, I don't care. And I agree with him. We just got to keep pushing forward, proclaiming the gospel as Jesus did understand that there's a hope beyond this life and uh and try our best um everything else is in god's hands all we know and what we can guarantee is to rely on god's promises which is his church is gonna last but the gates of hell is not gonna prevail over it mm -hmm. i don't know well i think that's i think it's such a cool point and it is relevant we've talked about that recently last year um how our life is going to throw stuff at us and to have that safety net to have the, well, rather than safety net, cause that implies falling. Hmm. I think the safety net is there for when you fall. Um, and once you pursue life, we talked about this in the last episode, once you pursue the Christian life and you start putting on Christ, you start trying to understand why and, uh, and how God wants us to live. And, and then actually putting that into practice, repenting, and then becoming the new person, then we start seeing the world in a different way. And the church is definitely there to help us. Yeah. And I know in my experience as a younger person, um, you know, oftentimes it was there to, I felt it was there to hinder me because people really? are, yeah, people are fallible. And um, I think that, I think that whenever you are deceived by the world, the, the Bible can be a very powerful tool for totalitarianism. And um, especially if you've never read, like for instance, I hadn't read. I've confessed that many times. I'll do it again. Where I had not read the Bible, uh, I had gone to church my whole life and paid attention in sermons, gotten to the point where I was writing down copious notes. If I had been taught shorthand, I'd probably do a shorthand of the sermons. Really? Um, which I don't know shorthand. I'd love to learn that. Um, but... You know, the Bible can, uh, if you if you chicken peck it, it can absolutely be used to... You can do it anything. You can make a case, uh, you know, for nihilism out of the Bible, absolutely. ironically. Um, you know, futile, futile, immense the teacher. Everything is meaningless. 
And the power of the Catholic Church, I, you know, in the medieval times, was because of the language barrier of Latin to whatever vernacular was spoken. Yeah, and it was very was easy used for against people. Yeah, very easy for subsequent generations to have very little working knowledge of the Bible. It says you got to give a little more. And <laughs> well, I mean, and that's and if you've not seen the book, the the movie, The Book of Eli, that's the entire point is uh, of the movie is that. Uh, the Bible is the mystery book of Eli that he's carrying. Yeah. And uh, there is a particular person who is one of the few people who can still read because he's one of the older guys that survived this post-apocalyptic ex- you know, uh, existence in this movie. <laughs> Did you figure out the ending before you figured out you found the ending? No. You didn't. Okay. No. And I, I won't. And I won't tell you. I, yeah, don't say anything. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I won't say the ending. But that I was didn't the, either. That was the point. Is that it is the Bible. Yeah. And, the, and he and they they go through certain ceremonies of them like praying and stuff and so um, and that that triggers uh, you know the third act where it all comes to a head and um and then I won't give away the ending but uh, it it is it is the Bible that they're that they're yeah. searching for and with that book being the only person who could read that would be a very powerful tool. Um, to not have a, a complete understanding. So the point is, the, the takeaway point is that we are all given the power to read the Bible, and it's your choice whether you don't. And so when you read, you're able to interpret, you're able to learn, you're able to have discussions and say, well, the Bible says this, why are we doing it this way? And I think that all we can do is continue to encourage people to their own study. And sermons are really limited. They're very good and they're very inspiring, but they're I should I think that they should be inspiring to induce your own personal study. Well, yes, they should. Hundred and ten percent. If you guys are listening to that and you guys um and you're a Christian and you listen to a sermon, the goal is not to then go throughout the week and do nothing. I think I got my Bible study in for the week. No, the goal is to encourage you to go study that for yourself yeah. and to go look into that more because um, that's going to help you dive into the Bible. Different platforms are different things. And so the sermons, they're just meant to encourage, to glorify, to edify. Um, and then you have, you know, the class and the teaching. And now we can dive a little deeper into some text. And then you have just personal discussion and personal Bible studies with people. Now you can get into things like, you know, doctrine and things like that so that was your first point what was your second point my second point was that we should all serve like jesus served um just kind of give you some application there you know i the point i used was in mark chapter 10 i believe where you know if we're all different body parts of christ's body well then we should be acting like christ and how did he act well he served and I went to Mark chapter 10, where he, let me see, yeah, where it says in verses 35 through 45 that John and uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you, which is a pretty bold statement. And Jesus is like, okay, he plays along. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one in your right hand and one in your left hand in your glory. Right? They're asking Jesus to serve him and he's like he's willing to serve but the problem is they're focused on themselves but the good thing is they're also i didn't make this point in the sermon the good thing is they want to be close to jesus yeah that's a good thing and that's a whole nother thing that we could have added 
to it, but I, I didn't have the time. So there's a good, there's a positive and negative to their request. Verse 38. What they wanted was good. What they wanted was good. They want to be close to Jesus. But they didn't get it. But they didn't get it because they're focused on themselves. <laughs> right. So, it, yeah, it's this, yeah, back and forth. Verse 38, Jesus said to him, look, you don't know what you're asking, basically what you just said. Uh, and then he goes, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you to be baptized with the baptism which I am to be baptized? He just told them a few verses earlier, I'm going to die. And so they're like, yeah, we are able. And Jesus said to them, well, you will. That will happen. So you will be able to drink the cup and you will be able to be baptized. But to sit at my right hand, my left, it's not for me to grant, but it's for those for whom it is prepared. That's a very important word. Because prepared. Jesus himself is a servant. Right, right, right. Um, that's not, that's, that's not what, he's, what he's here for. And then the ten heard it. And then, of course, they began to be indignant. They began to be angry with James and John, which is understandable. What in the world? Why do you think you deserve to be sitting next to Jesus and not us? Mm -hmm. There's only two places next to Jesus, apparently. Um, and it, the whole point was Jesus was willing to serve there, um, and he continued to serve. And later on, he then goes and heals a blind person. He was, he was always serving always willing to serve. And that's a great lesson to us because if we are focused on uh, ourselves being great, mm -hmm. then we've missed the point just like they did. And so what is the point? What is the point about serving? What are we supposed to do? Well, we should serve as I think it says in Galatians, we should do good to others and especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should serve. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately throughout the week, but a big part of proclaiming the gospel is serving. Jesus proclaimed the gospel and then served. Um, and so people are always wondering, how do I do that? How do I go and evangelize? I can't door knock. That's just not a thing. The culture's not really into that. Do I go up to someone and say, hey, you want to have a Bible study? You know, that works sometimes, but it's difficult. Uh, it can be hard. You know, I just, I just don't know what to do. A little good way to do that is to serve someone in need. Mm. And it's being observant and looking for those that really need and and serving them. Um, and if you can do that and make it the point that you're doing that because of the gospel, you know, that's that's a way that you can proclaim the gospel is to serve. Um, that's what that's what Jesus often did. That's what he called his disciples to do as well, is to serve. And it's ironic that the head of the church, Jesus, is serving. He's serving others. And so the point is that we should be serving as well. And that ties into my last point, which is, well, we're all connected by the Holy Spirit. We're all connected by the Spirit as his church, and we should all be serving um, like Jesus served. And if we're not all connected by the Spirit, if we don't have Christ dwelling in us, then there's no difference, right? There's no difference to the charity who's serving as well. There's no difference than anyone else who struggles, because we all struggle with or without God. We have to have something greater. And the atheists and the agnostics just want to admit that, look, everything is intertwined and it's all physical. It goes back to my, my quote. Well, the church is nice, but it's hooked up to this unfortunate thing. Well, no, it's that unfortunate thing. It's God, it's the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus that make the church different. And if it doesn't have that, then it is just a charity. And it doesn't deserve that to last longer than 10 years. Um, it really has made a change. And if you look at the change throughout human history, it has changed so many lives. People have done horrible things in the name of Christ, sure. If you put that aside for a second, just look at the positives. 
people have really changed and turned their lives around because they, well, they really did believe in God. And that makes all the difference. It's a great lesson to hear. I know I need to hear that. I need to hear where else can I serve? Where else can I help other people? And what kindness can I show to a random stranger who's not a random stranger? They're our brother and sister. Like they're, we're, we're related to them. We're the same people. And it doesn't matter what language they speak or what color their skin is, is that we have to love our fellow man. And what a great way to, to show them that we're different than the world who would ignore them and spit in their face. And, and the big thing to me is I watched this movie, see, again, observing, and then I write my thing, where this person is really angry at religion. This religious person says, why do I need saving? You guys accept Jesus, and then all of a sudden you think you're better than me. That's what we can come across as. When we say we're striving for Jesus, who is perfect, and when we say the church makes us better, we can come across as being better than them. But that's not the, that's not the case. And yeah, I mean, there's plenty of teaching about, like, if you don't have love, you, you're just a, a noise, yeah, which is what the world sees us So you have to have love. And the only way to show that you're not better than them, and you're just trying to be better than who you were yesterday, is to serve them. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're going to come across as being better than them, and that's not our goal. Which, I mean, and it's, it's such a great talk and so many great thoughts and something to personify. So I would, I would do call to action here is that if that is you, if you've searched your own heart and the things that we just talked about, paying a little cl- too close to home uh, and, uh, and prick the heart a bit, you know, now's the time to make a change. You know what? Yesterday might not be... It might have been better than how you behave today. Maybe, you know, even something as simple as being cut off in traffic or having somebody fire you or somebody slap you physically or throw water in your face or, um, yeah, and anything can happen in this world that, uh, can, can cause us to stumble. And I think that the pursuit of putting on Christ and studying and wanting to be better is whenever those moments come to be able to face it with, Every all of the the tools that Jesus wanted us to have when those moments come. Yeah. So. Yeah. Be a, be a servant. And just look around and see ways that you can you know you can serve others. You know maybe it's you know, there's a homeless guy sitting next to the gas station entrance and you go into the gas station you just get him something to eat or something. And just just look for ways to serve. Um, yeah. Anyway, doing that you should also go sow. That's a way to serve too. So go sow. Bye. Bye, everybody.